Brian Ministries International presents Todd Talks, featuring Todd Edwards. Heavenly Father, we enter your gates of thanksgiving and your courts with praise, and we thank you for this day. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of the grace that's been given to us, we can come before your throne boldly with all confidence, knowing that we have a great high priest, brother and friend, Yeshua HaMashiach, interceding on our behalf that we might find grace and mercy in our time of need. And during this time, Father, we open our hearts to you and your word. We open our hearts to receive for all scripture is God breathed and profitable for all the works that you want to do in us right now, Father, separating joint and marrow soul and spirit, rightly judging the thoughts and attitudes of our hearts. So Father, we ask that your word would activate in the heavens and would be multidimensional in its ministry to us this morning. Father, I pray a prayer of thanks and praise for your servant, Todd, and I thank you for your spirit in him and his spirit in communion with you and ask for just an anointing as we receive each week but especially this morning, that there would be things stirred in our hearts, God, that no one person could leave this session without receiving a stirring of the Lord, a ministry of the Lord directly to our hearts from your Holy Spirit. We praise you. We have such expectation for this, Father. We declare triumph in Zion. And we declare the manifestation of your fullness of your kingdom into the earth through us, both now and for eternity, according to your will and plan. In Yeshua's mighty name, amen. 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 Uh, As Stephen was praying, I just heard present, 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 that everything that Stephen was praying uh, is not for sometime in the future it's now it's present it's we are to engage today presently um yes yes thanks Stephen. we do not not fully appreciate and part of it is is humility true humility not false humility true humility we truly don't appreciate the magnitude and the scope of what he has called us to do what he wants to do through us and the love that he has for us. Uh, I, I was talking to Dan earlier this week, and we were talking about this, thinking about, really, that's what's going on in the spirit that's affecting the cosmos and all eternity, and he's using us? Are you kidding me? I mean, I just, I'm here in Cedarburg. I'm sitting at a dining table. You know, <laughs> who am I? Who are we, right? But there's so much that he is doing with those that just say yes. Every day, every day, every day. And what Jennifer saw is true, that the people that say yes every day, like you guys, those are the mountains that are higher above the other mountains. Even though it seems like, who am I? Dan says that, I say that, we all say that, and that's a good thing because there is a fear of Yahuwah in us and a humility and a reverence for him uh, in, in, in saying that. But, it, but don't lose sight that that's true. Let's go.
So I'm not surprised at uh, comments about struggle. I'm not surprised at some of the breakthroughs that you guys had. There was a, a lot that was released a couple of weeks ago with Zion. And it's not, and, I, and truly, I'm not saying that because I said it. It's because of what God did and engaging in Zion. Um, I am sure that there are groups of people like us maybe in other places of the world that did the same thing because it was led by the Spirit. There aren't that many, but that is happening, and there was something very significant. I'm also not surprised that I think there's ties to some of the attacks that are taking place nationally in the United States in these breakouts and the battles that are manifestation in, in the earth actually are battles in the Spirit. All of this is tied together. And... This happens to be the conclusion of Pentecost or Shavuot as well. And Shavuot is all about the wheat harvest and we are the wheat. So all of this stuff is all kind of all swirling around us in the spirit, but in a place of order under the shadow of his wings. Uh, part of the reason, and I, so part of the reason that I sent that uh, worship set in relationship to Zion, and I want to share this with you from Psalm 69. Uh, Psalm 69 and how this kind of ties together. <clears throat> Psalm 69, let's start in verse 34. Uh, Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moves therein. For Elohim will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah that they may dwell there. Because remember, in Judah, that's where Jerusalem is, with Judah, which includes Benjamin. It's actually literally in Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin. But that whole section is around Jerusalem, which is where Zion is going to manifest onto the earth. So that's what he's saying. That they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed, listen to this, the seed also of his servants shall inherit it. And they that love his name, shall dwell there. They that love his name. Uh, Psalm 102. This is our preamble before we get into Isaiah 51, and we will get into Isaiah 51 today. Psalm 102. Uh, starting in uh, verse 11. My days are like a shadow that declines, and I am withered like grass. This, this is kind of part of what I think is going on in the spirit uh, right now. And again, who are we to start engaging with Zion and to then all of a sudden have all this stuff stirred up in the spirit? It's because we love his name and we're the ones that dwell there and we're the ones that are engaging with her. And this is what's going on. Um, verse 11, but my days are like a shadow that declines and I am withered like grass. I mean, that's our, who are we? That's kind of what the cry is. But you, O Yahuwah, shall endure forever, and your remembrance unto all generations. You shall arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor her, yes, the set time is come. That's today. The time to favor Zion is today. Today, present. For your servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the nations shall fear the name of Yahuwah and all the kings of the earth your glory. 
the nations and the kings are trembling right now. When Yahuwah shall build up Zion, how does he build her up? He's building up gathering. He's building us up because we are Zion. He is restoring the waste cities and the former desolations, the high places. He shall appear in his glory. They know in the spirit that the time has come when Zion gets built up. Oh, no, Yeshua is about to come. That's what the psalmist is saying. He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. We cry from a place of little faith, but we cry it and he hears us. This shall be written for the generations to come. And the people which shall be created shall praise Yahuwah. For he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary. From the heaven did Yahuwah behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of Yahuwah and Zion in his praise in Jerusalem. This is today. This is what's happening today. Uh, two more Psalms before we get into Isaiah 51. Psalm 74. We're, we're, we're declaring our understanding of Zion and, and, getting in, and, and act, interacting with her, engaging with her. Psalm 74. Verse 2, remember your assembly, which you have purchased of old. It means we've been purchased. The lamb was slain before the foundation of the earth. The rod of your inheritance, which you have redeemed, this Mount Zion, where you have dwelt. So remember her. He is remembering her today. We're going to really dive into redeemed, I think, the word redeemed later today from Isaiah 51. And I want to share with you the rod of the inheritance. Rod is the same word as tribe. So when Yeshua comes from the branch or the rod of David, the tribe of David. So he is going to strike the nations with his tribe or his rod it's one and the same which makes sense because if you think about in in old times so moses had a rod which was a tree branch which is a tribe so israel with the 12 branches or the 12 tribes 12 rods so when you see rod and you think about rod being something that is going to fend off the wolves for the sheep Rod is going to provide correction for the sheep. He's literally saying his tribe, us, will do that. It's not some prop. <laughs> it's us. So that's Psalm 74. Psalm 76. This gets back into uh, when we talked a little bit about the difference between Jerusalem and Zion and, and David took over Zion as the stronghold and the Jerusalem was built up as a city by the Jebusites. And then as Zion expanded and then encompassed all around Jerusalem, it has become in an, in an essence one in the same where it's all Jerusalem, but there's actually Zion, the place where David's city is, and then Jerusalem and the two have become somewhat one, but it's only Zion that is the reflection of Zion above. 
So we see the same thing in, in Psalm 76. Verse 2. In, in Salem, or Jerusalem, in Salem, also is his tabernacle, because his tabernacle then dwelt there, and his dwelling place in Zion. So it's a connection between heaven and earth again. Where he dwells in Zion, but he placed his tabernacle on earth in Jerusalem, where he, from his dwelling place, can have a footstool. And part of our engagement with Zion, and then also when it's fully manifest on the earth, is not only will he dwell in Zion in the heavens, he will not just have a tabernacle on earth, he will dwell in Zion on the earth. And the two will become completely linked. So as all of creation is groaning, crying out for the manifestation of the sons of God, so is Jerusalem groaning for the manifestation of the sons of God so that Zion then inhabits Jerusalem. And that's where we're going. Full glory of the saints, full glory of Jerusalem, full glory of creation. All of this is what we are headed toward. In, in prayer this week, and the past, past two weeks for me have been really nutty and spiritually. Nutty in attacks, nutty in revelation um, a- after the whole uh, Zion thing. I had some personal things that were really cool in the spirit. And then there's something that I want to share with, with you all in terms of this engagement. And then I want to relate it to engaging with Zion. So I, I was in, in, in prayer a couple of days ago. and I have been just have really cool intimacy with Yeshua and, and what he's showing me and what he's doing inside of my heart. And <clears throat> I, I saw him and I've seen him in the past in his eyes containing creation. So his eyes contained all of creation. And I could see in his eyes the cosmos and the stars and the sun and the moon and the earth and all the hosts of heaven and all the hosts of the earth and everything in his eyes. I've seen that before. But this time a couple days ago, I saw it in his whole body. So I saw his body and all of his body contained all of creation, all realms, dimensions, in the third heaven, the second heaven, in the earth, in, in the past, in the present, the future. Everything was contained in his body. And then what happened is, it's almost as if he went inside out on me and I saw all of creation across endlessly and then he showed me how he is interacted or overlapped with creation. And it was this. He said, my eyes are a realm and therefore I see everything because my eye realm is overlapping all of creation. I hear everything because my ear has a realm and it extends to all of creation. And he started going through this, all these components of himself and how he overlaps creation. My breath is a realm and that's why Everything in creation was made by it. My feet are a realm. Therefore, wherever I go, 
is peace. And all the peace and all of creation comes from my feet realm. So he's showing this all to me. My heart is a realm and it overlaps into all of creation. And as he was sharing this with me, he said, now interact and engage piece by piece by piece. And I've been doing this every day since. It's been about four days. The first time this happened, I was laying down. And when I stood up, I, I was just wobbly, I, <clears throat> like I, I had been drinking or I, I was woozy. Um, that's what was going on. And then he said, this is how I want you to engage with Zion. I want you and her to interact realms in overlap. And now all of a sudden I started to feel Zion's heart more. You know, Shannon was explaining that uh, a couple of weeks ago. And I started to understand the plans of Zion. I understand, understand God's heart for Zion because now I was interacted with his heart realm and Zion's realm at the same time. So that's the mindset that I want us all to have as we go into Isaiah 51. Isaiah 51, here we go. <clears throat> Paul, we're finally there. It took us a week and a half, about two and a half hours of stuff. I, I, was, I was sharing with you guys last time I don't know how I'm going to kind of break this down in Isaiah because Isaiah 48 to 66 is kind of like all big, one huge massive story that I see all at once and I can't break it down into intervals. <clears throat> and he, he said, just trust me, let's just go verse by verse, starting in Isaiah 51. And then Revelation started to come. So here we go, Isaiah 51. We need to pay attention to who he's speaking to. So it starts right away, Isaiah 51, who he's speaking to. Hearken to me, you that follow after righteousness. Zadik. You that seek Yahuwah. Look unto the rock, Yeshua, from where you are cut, and to the hole of the pit where you are dug. Because we are where the foundation is so the message is to us it's to the righteous it's to the ransomed it's to the redeemed we're going to we're going to get into these words um those that seek zion this message is for us this message is for israel so in these chapters isaiah is going to be speaking to different people all these different actors that work together so when he speaks to zion and then he speaks to us it's because we're interacting one and the same there's a purpose of why he has a message for all these different components. So this is the message for us. Verse 2. Look unto Abraham your father and unto Sarah that bore you. For I called him alone and blessed him and increased him. We need to go back to the covenant. Because what was the covenant about? Yes, it was being blessed. It was a blessing. It was, uh, he'll bless those that bless us, curse those curse. It was a land covenant as well. But in this particular case, when we think about Zion, it was your children will be like the stars of heaven. Abraham and Sarah's children are symbolic of Zion's children. 
like the stars of heaven, not only in multitude, but in glory. I think this is what Paul's getting at when we are to be the praise of his glory. We will be lifted up on display before all the hosts of earth and heaven as the stars of heaven. So be engaged with that all the time. All the time I pray that. I pray that for us all the time. Be engaged with that, the Abrahamic covenant. Verse 3. For Yahuwah shall comfort Zion. Zion needs comfort. And we read this last time in Isaiah 49, how she cried out, what about me? All her waste places. <clears throat> he will make her wilderness like Eden, implying that she has a wilderness. Her desert like the garden of Yahuwah implying that she has a desert. She's not supposed to have a desert, and she's not supposed to have wilderness, and she's not supposed to have waste places, but she does. I mean, think about that. Joy and gladness shall be found therein, thanksgiving in the voice of melody. So wilderness and desert, what does that remind us of? It takes me back immediately I think about the wandering in the wilderness and in the desert for 40 years. So the Bible is cyclical. It's round and round and round. It's all at once at the same time. And just like Israel was delivered from Egypt, got married at Mount Sinai, and because of transgression was lost in the wilderness, it's the same thing with Zion. Zion had her children delivered to her at Mount Sinai, and then they were lost in the wilderness and in the desert. And what Yahweh has promised to Zion is that it will be full restoration back to perfection, back to intimacy, like the Garden of Eden. He's speaking this to us. He's speaking it to the redeemed, the righteous. And this is what we need to think about. This is the vision. This is the plan. This is what we need to engage with. It's full redemption, full restoration of Zion. It's not enough for my walk with Christ. It's not enough for him to come and develop me so that I am the praise of his glory. He is saying in Isaiah 51 that we're reading, it has to be all of Zion. It has to be the entire body. And that's part of what Yeshua was sharing with me is it's not the creation is contained only in my eyes. It's contained in my whole body. Todd, you need to start prophesying to the body like the dry bones. It's got to be all of Zion. We need to have this mindset, all of us. Verse 4. Hearken unto me, my people. And give ear to me, O my nation. For a law shall proceed from me, and I will make judgment to rest for a light of the people. It's kind of a weird phrase at the end. First of all, we engage with our ear, kind of like this engagement of his realm, his, his ear realm and our voice. So we, we engage with that. But this, um, this phrase, my judgment to rest, uh, it didn't make sense to me 
this kind of, that's kind of a weird translation. They must have messed that up. And sure enough, they kind of did. Uh, so what it really means, judgment to rest, means the judgment shall be violent and sudden into shalom. This is going to be a violent and sudden move. The building of Zion is not over 2,000 years. She's crying out. And that's what I'm saying. The, 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 the magnitude of what happened two weeks ago, it is going to be sudden and violent, and Zion is going to get all of her children. That's what he's saying here. I will make my judgment sudden and violent for a light unto the people. It's going to be shaking, this massive shaking that's going to take place. Verse 5, my righteousness is near. My salvation has gone forth. My arms shall judge the people. I mean, this is all, the whole plan of this violence, this violent judgment that's coming. The island shall wait upon me. Back to Isaiah 49. And on my arm they shall trust. He is the right arm. So I just kind of broke it down. We're going to keep going. Verse 6. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth. Now, who's he talking to? Still talking to us. He's still talking to us. So we need to lift our eyes to the heavens and look upon the earth beneath, heaven down. And we're supposed to see the entire thing, the whole plan, heaven and earth. For the heavens shall vanish away like smoke. This is where I think the second heaven gets rolled up. And the earth shall wax old like a garment. It's going to be transformed. In fact, so much so in, in, in uh, Zechariah uh, chapter 12, it says that Jerusalem is going to split. And it's like a 40-mile split that's going to happen. Well, the whole earth, and Candace brought this up with the Rocky Mountains and the Andes, it's going to be reshifted. The whole earth is going to wax old like a garment. Things are going to shift. That's why the hills melt like wax that is coming. The heavens get rolled up. The second heavens get rolled up. The earth is going to transform in preparation for the millennial kingdom. They that dwell therein shall die in like manner. But my salvation shall be forever, and my righteousness shall not be abolished. This is an encouragement for us that we are to look, we are to observe, we are to meditate on his plan. We are to have a perspective that's so different than everybody else. So when we see the riots taking place in the United States right now, what's our view? Our view cannot be like they're telling us to be in the secular world. Our view is supposed to be kingdom. What is happening? Zion is calling out to her people. There is a massive shaking taking place. What is he doing in the process? This is actually a manifestation of a war, and it is not what we see in the natural. So constantly look, observe, meditate. Here we go, seven and eight. <clears throat> this is all a setup to like the bulk of what's about to happen now. Again, he's talking to us. Hearken unto me. So he said this again, hearken unto me. 
He is pleading with us to have our eyes in heaven. Pleading with us to hear. Because it's difficult to hear in the midst of this. That's why only the mountains that are higher are going to be able to elevate and look down upon everything that's happening. Hearken unto me, you that know righteousness. The people in whose heart is my law. Fear not the reproach of men. Neither be afraid of their revilings. For the moth shall eat them up like a garment, and the worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever, and my salvation from generation to generation. He's reminding us, be locked in on the end result. Do not be concerned about what they are saying about you. Do not be concerned that they are spinning around and roaring like bears. There's the bear's piece. <laughs> Don't worry about that, that they are consuming everything in their, their wake. Because what's happening is slowly but surely, like a moth is eating away at a garment, like the worm is eating away at the wool. It's rotting from inside. The enemy's plan is actually being demolished. And the more you see of the holes, in the garment, the closer it is to the end. But in us, his righteousness in us and his salvation in us is enduring. We are, we are connected to the rock. He, he needs to encourage us because he's about to share the end times. So we got to get locked into this. You can't go diving into the end times in the Revelation. And we, we started this whole journey on Zion because of the day of Yahuwah. We haven't got there yet. We're going to get there. But we have to get locked in so much that when it happens, we don't move. Now is the time to understand that. Now is the time to get locked into this vision. It's going to be difficult. This is also part of the, the, how we endure the refiner's fire. And it kind of reminds me of the study that we went through, Peter, where Peter talked about the salvation of the soul. The salvation of the soul. Embrace people that rub on you. God, what's in it for me? What's in it for my heart? And, and embrace the relationships and the connections that you have that you need to constantly be refining how you interact with people because this is preparation for the entire body to contain creation. I, I said on the, the podcast, if, if any of you guys heard that, that was released on Thursday. As an entrepreneur in business, it's actually kind of easy, kind of easy. I'm not saying it's easy. It's kind of easy in the sense of you don't have to influence, um, bring together with consensus. You can decide what to do. In that regard, it's easy. Oh, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I need to do. Um, it's my decision. I've assessed the facts. I'm going to move on. In a corporate environment, you are interacting with all of these different personalities, many of them who are not in this group. They are not the ones that are the righteous, that are seeking his name. And you are having to influence, 
be patient. You're gr- there's people that are grinding upon your righteousness, like Sot, Lot sitting at the, the gate in, in Sodom, where it vexed his righteous soul. And you are tra- getting trained up to lo- come alongside of whoever is around you, even though they don't think like you. Isn't that incredible preparation for the body? I may not have someone on my left and someone on the right in the army of God that does exactly what I do. I need to be ready to move and operate with them. And we can all do this if we're focused on what the end is. So we need to have a totally different perspective throughout all of this. So, so important. So it reminds me of the salvation of Peter and his whole process as as he laid out, take everything and embrace it. Verse 9, still talking to us, awake, awake. It kind of sounds like, uh, Betty, be bold. (laughs) Time for sleep is over. Awake, awake. Put on the strength, O arm of Yahuwah, awake as in the ancient days. Now he's flipped, and he's saying, awake to us. And then he's saying, awake, Yeshua. Awake to us. Awake, awake, put on strength. And then the strength is the arm of Yahuwah awake. As in the ancient days, in the generations of old, are you not that cut off Rahab and wounded the dragon? So ancient of days, the word ancient also means east. He is the ancient of days. And in the tabernacle, in the temple, it was the Holy of Holies facing east. Facing the ancient of days. He is also the morning star that rises up in the east. The Holy of Holies was facing the Mount of Olives. So this whole ancient of days is really, really important. And it speaks of Yeshua. And generations in this, in, in this term um, is cyclical. It's actually like a wheel. It's a revolution of time. So what he's saying is, O arm of Yahuwah, which is Yeshua, who was and is and will be, and your plan, which was and is and will be, because just like you did it in the generations in the past, you're going to do it in the generation to come. His plan always was, his plan always is, and his plan always will be. And then we are to align. So he just gets really deep all of a sudden. And we are to align with what existed and what happened, what is existing and happening, and will exist and will happen. That's what he's saying here. When he's using the term ancient days, generations old. 
we have to look at everything revolving around the dimension of time. Just like you delivered Israel from Egypt, you will deliver us. Same thing. Just like you were mighty back then, you are mighty today. And you will be mighty. Just like we accepted our assignments back then, we accept it today. And we are prepping our minds because we are already accomplishing them in the future. All at once. So let's reread nine again. That, that, this, whole, this is a whole big cycle. Awake, awake. Because we did exist. We did understand the plan. And he did deliver us in the past. So awake. Stir that up. Because he does exist. We are engaged with him. And he is delivering us. And then focus that he will deliver us. We will be the praise of his glory, and he will be victorious all at once. That's how we have to see things, all at once. And he reminds us of this and says, remember, you cut off Rahab and wounded the dragon. Rahab was a big entity in Egypt. It was a demonic spirit, and the dragon representing Satan. So just like he cut them off in Egypt, he will cut them off again. So he's also reminding us, you really need to go back and understand what took place when I delivered Israel out of Egypt. Because remember, the prophets say over and over again, there will come a day when you no longer say he delivered Israel from Egypt, but he delivered Israel from all the nations where they were scattered and brought them together. Isaiah is talking about this again and reminding us of this. Verse 10, are you not it which has dried the sea? So Isaiah is speaking now to Yeshua. Again, reminding us of that past deliverance, which was and is and is to come. The waters of the great deep that has made the depths of the sea a way for the ransoms to pass over. I want to stop here and we'll go into this a little bit. So one of the things that <clears throat> I'm so glad you guys are with me. And I'm so glad I can just let it loose. <clears throat> I, um, and it's kind of just kind of how, who I am and in, in, in my style. And I'm so I'm glad that you guys still love me for it. Um, we can get all this information intellectually. It doesn't matter that much. It's got to say loud down to our heart. So that last verse, for example, of past, present, future, and wrapping it all around, even if you're like, eh, that doesn't make any sense, let it sink into your brain, and then in prayer time, let it say loud into your heart. Because a lot of what we discuss here, I'm speaking to your spirits, and I'm planting seeds in the spirit. And at some point in time, either right there with me, or maybe you already know this, or maybe sometime in the future, it's going to start activating in your heart. 
so that last that last verse I know is all over, and I was hearing this in the spirit. So I just wanted to share that with you. Let it say la, because the important thing is to get into the spirit. I mean, into the heart. So verse ten, some really cool stuff in verse ten. The word ransomed, probably not the right word in the right translation. It is the same word as redeem or redeemer. So those who he delivered from the enemy and provided a way, like a path of holiness, Isaiah says in another chapter, for the redeemed, by the redeemer, to pass over. Pass over. Same words, pass over the angel of death. Angel of death passes over. We get redeemed. The word redeemed in the Strong's is Hebrew 1350, Gaal. It means to redeem, of course. And according to the traditions of old, it also is the law of kinship, the kinsman redeemer. So it's the next of kin. As such, to buy back a relative's property or to marry a widow, an avenger, a deliverer. It's to perform the part of kinsmen, to purchase, to ransom, to revenge. So this whole thing about Redeemer is he is buying back his relative's property. Both us being the property and our property that he has given to us. That's what it means to redeem. So when we think about how small we are, because that mentality comes from an unredeemed mind. But when we are redeemed, he has redeemed us and all of our property. I have placed the earth under your dominion, all of our property. I have created mansions in heaven for you, all of your property. Your scrolls, your assignments fit in all of your property that's been stolen and now redeemed. He's redeemed the whole thing. So a redeemed mindset is really big in this case. Here's the first mention of the word redeemed. Uh, Genesis 48. I love, 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 love how his word is constantly tying and flowing together. Genesis 48. These are, uh, this is Jacob giving the blessings to Joseph's sons. And he says in Genesis 48, verse 16. This is Jacob, Israel speaking. The angel, who is Yeshua, which redeemed me from all evil. Bless the lads. So the first mention of the Redeemer is when Jacob wrestled with Yeshua. And then his name went from Jacob 
to Prince of El. It is in a reference to Israel being redeemed. So the Redeemer is always tied with Israel, with us. Now we're going to see how the Redeemer is always tied to Israel and Zion. So Isaiah 49, or Isaiah 48. Verse 17. Isaiah 48, verse 17. Thus says Yahuwah, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So think about this. Now this, tie, this makes a little more sense. It was the Redeemer that delivered Jacob from all evil. And then he became a prince. He went from unredeemed Jacob to redeemed Israel. And he's considered the Holy One now of Israel. The Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. I am Yahuwah, your Elohim, which teaches you to profit. Because now he's purchased everything that was yours. It's all been redeemed which leads you by the way that you should go. So now he walks you, walks you in the path. Isaiah 49, verse 7. Thus says Yahuwah, the Redeemer of Israel, his Holy One, to, who, to him whom man despised, to him whom the nation abhors, to a servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise. Princes also shall worship, worship because Yahuwah that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, he shall choose you. So out of you, because he has redeemed you, he's also redeemed the generations of Israel afterwards. And we're going to see Zion and Israel tied together. So therefore, he's redeemed Zion's kids and all of their property and has made kings out of them and princes, rulers. That's why when Yeshua said, and you will be a ruler over 10 cities and you will be a ruler over five cities, he was calling forth Zion's kids and raising them up like Isaiah is speaking about here. Isaiah 49, let's keep going, verse 26. And I will feed them that oppress you with their own flesh, and they shall be drunken with their own blood. These are the enemies. As with sweet wine and all flesh shall know that I, Yahuwah, your Shua, Savior, and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. So now this is in the context of you that aren't quite there yet in interacting with me and knowing me, I'm telling you, I did redeem Jacob, and I will transform you into Israel. Isaiah 54. Zion, Redeemer, now we see this is all kind of 
all connected. Isaiah is just loaded with this kind of language. Isaiah 54. I think we read some of this. I don't know. So I, I, I'm back all the way up, I think, to verse 1. Isaiah 54, 1. Sing, O barren, you that did not bear. He's talking about Zion. Break forth in the singing and cry aloud, you that did not trail, travail with child. For more are the children of the desolate, the enemy's kids, than the children of the married wife. And Zion is still married. That's another concept that we're going to dwell on at some point in time. It says Yahuwah. Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of your habitations. Habitations again. Spare not. Lengthen the cords and strengthen the stakes. What he's saying is, Zion, I promise. I promise, I promise, I promise. You're actually going to have a whole lot of kids at the end. So get ready. Prepare. For you shall break forth on the right hand and on the left, and your seed shall inherit the nations. Part of the dominion that he has redeemed to us, both then, now, and in the future, is all the nations of the earth. That's why all the kingdoms of the earth will come under the kingdom of Yeshua, and the government shall be on upon his shoulders, and that's why we need to engage with the shoulder realm of Yeshua. I am not surprised that the day, the day I had that vision of interacting with his shoulders and all these component parts, that's when it broke out in Minneapolis. And I'm not saying it's me, it's him. Because I proclaimed, interacting with Zion, that all the nations would come to her and bring her children. I proclaimed that his kingdom will overtake all the kingdoms of the earth because that is our redeemed inheritance. Keep going, verse 4. Fear not. Why do we have to fear not? Because it's in process in the natural timeline realm. And it's easy to get lost. For you shall not be ashamed, neither shall you be confounded. And he's still speaking to Zion. Even Zion is fearful because it's not happened. It has happened and it's not happened at the same time. For you shall not be put to shame and you shall not forget the shame of your youth. For you shall forget the shame of your youth. What was her youth? The golden calf. And then the children got lost. She lost her kids. And why youth? Because that's when she was first married to Yeshua. And shall not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So Yeshua got divorced from Israel. Zion lost her kids, like the kid and her husband, like they died. For your maker is your husband. There we go. Zion's maker is her husband. Yahuwah Saboth, and his name. And your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the Elohim of the whole earth, shall he be called. So Zion gets redeemed as well. Jacob natural, Israel spirit. Jerusalem natural, Zion spirit. Keep going. Verse 6. For Yahweh has called you as a woman. Who? 
woman forsaken, dying. And grieved in spirit, and a wife of youth, when you were refused, says, the, says Elohim. For a small moment have I forsaken you. 4,000 years is a small moment. Zion has been crying out for this for 4,000 years. But with great mercies will I gather you. In a little wrath I have hid my face from you for a moment. But but with everlasting kindness will I have mercy on you. He's talking to Zion. Says Yahuwah, your Redeemer. For this is as the waters of Noah unto me. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah should no more go over the earth. So I have sworn that I would not be wroth with you, Zion, nor rebuke you. This is all language and interaction between Yeshua and Zion. Isaiah 59. And Yeshua as the Redeemer in Zion. So now this context is a little different. I'll back up to Isaiah 59, verse 16. So Yeshua is still speaking to Zion now. Isaiah 59, verse 16. And he saw, Yeshua saw, there was no man for Zion. And wondered, there was no intercessor for Zion. That's why Zion's crying out, what about me? And what we did two weeks ago, we became Zion's intercessor. With Yeshua's heart and his prophetic vision through us, he is Zion's intercessor. We took on that role as well. We joined that cry. Therefore, his arm, right arm, Yeshua, brought salvation unto him, and his righteousness, it sustained him. He's talking about Yeshua being the one that now is about to deliver Zion. For he put on righteousness as a breastplate, and the helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. Now you can understand the context of this, that Yeshua is mad and he's going to take vengeance on Zion's behalf and was clad with zeal as a cloak. This is Yeshua's desire for Zion. According to their deeds, those that came against Zion, according, accordingly, he will repay fury to his adversaries, recompense to his enemies, to the islands he will repay recompense. Now, part of what the language is, is this is his wife. They have become one. They are one. So his, her enemies now are his enemies. Her vengeance is his vengeance. It's one and the same. Verse 19. So shall they fear the name of Yahuwah from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of Yahuwah shall lift up or put to flight against him. This is in reference to Zion. Todd, how do you know this? Verse 20. And the Redeemer shall come to Zion, and unto them 
that turn from transgression in Jacob, the unredeemed, says Yahuwah. So he's going to do this on behalf of Zion. So when we say the enemy comes in like a flood and he raises up a standard or sends the enemy fleeing, it is on behalf of Zion. When we say that he puts on garments of vengeance and a cloak of zeal, it's behalf of Zion. This is, this is how much he loves and interacts with Zion. And what we did two weeks ago is we started to have the heart of Yeshua for Zion. And things started to happen in the spirit. <laughs> Individually and globally, in the heavens, in the nation, everything. Back to Isaiah 51. I, 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 hope, I hope you guys had, you got some stirred up revelation of this, this word redeemed. We hear it all the time, but it just, it just hit me different as I was thinking about it in the context of Zion um, in the study. So Isaiah 51, verse 11. <clears throat> Therefore, the redeemed, it's a different word, it's a different word, so we're going to get into this. It's a different word. Then we just went and saw that ransomed above was actually really meant redeemed. Now we're going to read redeemed, and it's very different. So Isaiah 51, 11. Therefore, the redeemed of Yahuwah shall return. In the context of Zion. And come with singing unto Zion. And everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, and sorrow and mourning shall flee away. So that word redeemed is strong Hebrew 6299, paw da, paw da. Sounds kind of like southern, paw da, southern Israel, southern Hebrew. The essential meaning, check this out, the essential meaning is achieving the transfer of ownership from one to another through payment or by something of equivalent value. Unredeemed to redeemed. This is the whole concept of purchased. We have been purchased by his blood to be brought back to Zion because she had kids when she was in her youth, married at Mount Sinai, the kids got lost, scattered. She's crying out for her kids. And because of the cross, he gave something of equivalence or actually greater value to redeem us in all of our stewardship. Then we can go back to Zion. That's what it took to get back to Zion. So, so much has gone on at the cross. And we've studied this, how he has fulfilled the leprosy law. He has fulfilled the, the law of the turtle doves. He has fulfilled the law of the unknown sin. He has fulfilled oh, so many things. Part of the, the fulfilling of what he did on the cross was also allow us to return to Zion. Psalm 44. Psalm 44 really overlaps with this verse. I'm probably too much to, yeah, too much to read. 
um, all at once. But it really is an overlap. So I'm just looking at kind of where to go. Um, I'll start in verse 1. We have heard with our ears. Remember Isaiah's 51 language? Hearken unto me. Hearken unto me. Engage with my voice realm. We're in Psalm 44. We have heard with our ears, O Elohim. Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days. Here we go. In the times of old, the revolutionary cycle. What was, what is, what is to come. How you did drive out the nations with your hand and planted them. And you did afflict the people and cast them out. For they got not the land in possession by their sword. Neither did their own arm save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your countenance, your presence, because you had favor upon them. You are my king, O Elohim. Command deliverances for Jacob. Through you we will push down our enemies. Through your name will we tread them under them that rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, neither my sword, but you have saved us from our enemies and have put them to shame. So it keeps going down. Psalm 44 kind of summarizes everything that's about to happen here in Isaiah 51.11. So I was mentioning references of past reveals references of future and future events. We shall return in a similar manner to the first exodus, more cyclical stuff. So what happened in the first exodus? When was, and we're going to tie this to today, when was its deliverance? The deliverance was at Passover. First month of the year, 14th day. Passover. Deliverance. When was the outpouring of the Spirit or the presence of God? Let's turn to Exodus 15. Let's look at this a little bit. We need to know the past because it exists and it will exist. Exodus 15, verse 17. We're going to build up here a little bit of when was the outpouring of the Spirit or the presence of Yahuwah. Exodus 15, verse 17. So this is before they get to Mount Sinai. You shall bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. So this is before Mount Sinai. This is what Moses is declaring. You're going to bring them in where? To, Mount, to Zion. Plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. Where have we read that before? That is in reference to Yahuwah dwells in the city of God, which is the mountain of Zion. O Yahweh, you have made for you to dwell in the sanctuary, O Adonai, which your hands have established. Just like Abraham was looking for that city made without human hands, he was looking for this. This is what he's looking for. 
He was looking for Zion. Exodus 15, uh, verse 27. And they came to Elam, which were 12 water, uh, wells of water and, seven, and 70 palm trees. So where there was 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by the waters. This is very prophetic in what's, what's being said right now. You have 12 wells relating to the 12 tribes of Israel that will rule over the 70 palm trees or the nations of the earth. And they do that by being planted by the rivers of living water. And that's why the psalmist says we are trees of righteousness that the, Lord, the Lord's planting by the waters. So Israel's plan in Zion was to rule over the nations. So what I'm saying is by redeeming, back to the Redeemer, he redeems not only us, but all of our inheritance, which means all of the nations. Exodus 16.1. It's kind of building this up of when this happened. And they took their journey from Elam, and all the congregation or assembly of the children of Israel came into the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after their departing of the land of Egypt. So now we're moving into month two, day 15. Just kind of reference. Verse 4, Exodus 16, verse 4. Then said Yahweh to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather at a certain rate every day, that I may prove them whether they will walk in my command or not. So now we have bread from heaven coming. And what do we need? We need bread and we need water. So the manna from heaven is coming. Exodus 19, verse 1. <clears throat> and in the third month, so now we move to the third month, when the children of Israel were gone forth of the land of Egypt, the same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. So now we move to the third month after Passover, the first month, 14th day. Exodus 19.11. And be ready against the third day. So now it's third month, now about the fourth day that he's going to show up. So the third day, Yahuwah will come down in the sight of all the people of Mount Sinai. So what we have in building up this timeline of what's going on is Yahuwah is bringing them out of Egypt, first day, 14th month. The plan is that they prepare themselves like a bride, clean yourselves up, with manna from heaven. They are eating the bread, the living bread, ready to go on Shavuot, on the day of Pentecost. Because the day of Pentecost, he's going to have Zion gather up the wheat, harvest the wheat, the gathering of the people unto the wedding. That's why in the book of Acts, there was, now we are going to regather the children that are lost on Shavuot, on the day of Pentecost. 50 days after the first of the month, 14th day. Therefore, Shavuot is all about Zion. 
It's a gathering of our kids. The former rain and the latter rain. So we have the gathering of the wheat in her youth at Mount Sinai. The kids are lost. There's the former rain in Acts chapter 2. And then there will be the suddenly violent gathering of the latter rain. See how all this kind of ties together? All kind of same language. Now, when did Israel finally enter into the land? Because they were supposed to finally enter. Because of the golden calf, the whole thing got messed up. I think that they were supposed to enter in with the Feast of Tabernacles. So that God would dwell with them in the land, in the place they were supposed to be. However, because of the mess up, Joshua chapter 4. Their mess up is our gain. I'll explain that in a minute. Joshua chapter 4, verse 19. Ah, it's 1130 already. Aye, aye. Um, and the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the eastern border of Jericho. They did not come during any festival. They fulfilled Passover the first time. They fulfilled first time Pentecost. They were supposed to fulfill tabernacles first time. They didn't. Because of them, it was left out. So Yeshua redeems them in Passover. He redeems them in Shavuot. He is about to redeem in full the entrance into the land, the return in the land that they never got to during the Feast of Tabernacles. That's the schedule on the calendar that was and is and is to come. Back to Isaiah 51. I want to get a little farther than Isaiah before we stop. Isaiah 51, um, verse 12. I, even I, am he that comforts you. So now Yeshua is talking to us. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man that shall die? And the son of man which shall be like grass. So the generations of man will be like grass. And forget Yahuwah, your maker. Remember, Yahuwah, your maker, is your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, who is also the redeemer of Zion. All these kind of things tie together. So he's speaking to Zion, and he's speaking to us, because we're also Zion. One and the same, those that are righteous, those that are redeemed. And that's who the context of Isaiah 51 is. That forget Yahuwah, your maker, that has stretched forth the heavens, that has laid the foundations of the earth, and has feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor, as if he were ready to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? What he's saying is, remember me. Do not forget. And that word, um, which is forget, uh, Hebrew, uh, strong Hebrew 7911, uh, shalka is really, it, it does mean forget, but the root is to mislay or be oblivious from want or attention. So what happens is why we try to stir each other up. And Peter said this, 
I am not negligent to bring back to your remembrance is because we can mislay the plan. We can mislay our maker. He's speaking to the righteous in this, that we can actually do that. Keep going, verse 14. Uh, the captive exile hastens, uh, hastened uh, that he may be loose, that he should not die in the pit, nor that his bread should fail. This is a cry out to those that are called unto Zion, and they can't get out. But I am Yahweh, your Elohim, that divides the sea, whose waves roared. Yahuwah Saboth is his name. Again, more cycling stuff going on here. Divide the water in the sea is a reference to creation, dividing the water from the water in the firmament. And, yeah, and, 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 it's also a division of the sea, of the Red Sea, of the crossing of the redeemed. So Yahweh is constantly guiding us through the division of water, and waters also means nation, to lead to Zion in the heavens. Because going through the water is a baptism and deliverance, and all of this goes into Zion. It was set up in Genesis 1. It's set up again in Exodus, and it's set up for us to come. So over and over and over again. This is where we're going to close in 16 and 17. <clears throat> and I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. Remember, Zion was written in the palm of his hand. It's etched in the palm of his hand. Likewise, now speaking to us, I have put my words in your mouth. You have engaged with my mouth realm. And I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. So we are under the shadow of his wings, but what he's saying is under the shadow of his hand because under the shadow of Zion. And I love Zion. And I will not forget Zion, just like I will not forget the covenant I made with Noah. I'm not forgetting, forgetting my covenant that I made with Zion. That I might plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say unto Zion, you are my people. This is also a reference back to Israel and the whole study of Hosea. I will show you no mercy. You will not be my people. Then. I will have mercy upon you, and you will be my people. He's saying that to Zion. Zion, you will be my people. And it's what's really cool. It's in the context of heaven and earth. Zion is so prominent in him. He doesn't think about the other nations. He doesn't think about the enemy. He doesn't think about their host in this context. He says, you know, all of the heavens and all of the earth, is nothing compared to me calling Zion my people. That's the scope of his call for us. Verse 17. Here we go. Awake, awake. He did this again earlier. Now he's saying, stand up, O Jerusalem which has drunk at the hand of Yahuwah the cup of his fury. You have drunk the dregs for the cup of trembling. There is none to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth. 
neither is there any that take her by the hand of all the sons she has brought up. I'm going to stop right there. Zion is ready. Here's the contrast, and here's why we have to engage with this. But the place and the engagement on earth is asleep. That's why he cries out, awake, awake, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is asleep. God's people in the earth, Jacob, are asleep. The people that are righteous and engage with Zion are awake. We need to remember that Zion was the stronghold on the mount. Jerusalem was made by man. Yahuwah is reconciling the two together, but in his way, not in man's way. So that picture is us. From Mount Zion, we are the stronghold. We are the watchmen. We are the heralds. We are blowing the trumpet in Zion to awake Jerusalem to lift her up for the preparation of the call and the return unto Zion. That is our role here in this Bible study. That is our role in bride tribe. Who is the bride? It is Zion. Our job is to call forth the sleeping, slumbering Jacob, represented in this case by Jerusalem. Going back to the events of today, of what's going on in the world. They are asleep. They cannot see. We need to see for them. We need to engage with his eye realms. We need to engage with Zion and call them forth so that they might awake, so that they might return unto her. And we do that through the heart of Yeshua. It is a massive mission that we're on. And that's why two weeks ago when we started to stir up this whole concept of Zion, this is so, so critical to the last days. And I think we are starting to awaken Jerusalem. We are starting to awaken the slumber in Jacob. And it just so happens to be on Shavuot right now. This Shavuot, I think, is unlike others because we have engaged Zion now. Exponentially, the cry has gone out to Jacob. <clears throat> Let me jump ahead to Isaiah 52.1 to kind of close on a high note. Still talking about awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Because we didn't finish quite Isaiah 51, but now what he's saying is, now I'm turning to Zion. I, I was talking to my redeemed. Now I'm talking to them in Zion. So I'm talking directly to Zion. Now, Zion, you have been asleep, slumbering, because no one was there to save you. There was no one there to herald your children for you. But I just spoke to my righteous ones, my redeemed, my ransomed ones, that I am the Redeemer, they're ready. Now, Zion, is your turn. Awake, awake. 
Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments, because it's almost wedding time. It's almost wedding time. O Jerusalem, the holy city, for henceforth there shall no more come into you the uncircumcised and the unclean. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bands of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. There's the link. For thus says Yahuwah, you have sold yourself, here we go back to redeemed, for naught, and you shall be redeemed without money. We woke Zion last week, or last time. We're calling out to Jacob, calling her out of the drunkenness. And Zion is starting to stir. And the gates of hell shall not prevail, but they are shaking right now. They are trying to stir up their children. That's what's happening right now. Their children are going to freak out. And they are. Because unholy Zion is now trying to call out to their unholy children. This is not a race thing. This is a Zion and a Babylon thing. That's what's going on. And it's not just what's going on in Minneapolis and all that. It is so much more. The children of, of Babylon are shaking that are doing the, the human trafficking and the child trafficking. Everything is being shaken. We don't necessarily see it, but everything is trembling because Babylon is calling out to her kids right now. She's, she's in a race now against Zion, which means Revelation 16 and 17 is on the way. So the Babylon, the great whore, is about to ride the beast. Babylon now is shaking. To, oh, no, Zion's getting ready. I need to get ready. We're going to see more of this stuff in the months ahead. And that's why Isaiah reminds us, do not be afraid. Stay focused. Remember you are redeemed. Do not forget your maker. I'm in the middle of all of this, and I'm in the process of separating out the wheat, Shavuot, from the tares. All of this wraps together, and it also ties together with the second exodus. <clears throat> so, Heavenly Father, we thank you for revelation. We thank you for your word. For your word is rich, and Yeshua is the word. And we will engage actively with your voice realm all the days of our lives. For we know that is the manna from heaven that prepares us for the great harvest. We also know on the other side of Mount Sinai in years coming down with earthquakes and thunderings and lightnings that Israel cried out for water. And we know in the days ahead, the latter rain will be given for preparation of returning to the land and the wedding feast and the Feast of Tabernacles to be fulfilled. So, Father, all the governments, all of the the presence that you have given us. We take our mountains collectively and we 
overlay them on top of the earth. And I take the sword of your presence and drive it into the earth and proclaim that you have redeemed the earth, you have redeemed Israel, you have redeemed us and all of the possessions that you have given us to be stewards over. And we proclaim in the heavens and the earth and under the earth that Yeshua is the Redeemer of Israel. He is the Holy One. And we bless Zion. We remember your oath to Zion that you will bring her children back. So we pray for all of our kids and all of our family members and all of the people around us. We pray for Christopher, Candace's son. We call out to the children that belong to Zion. Awake, awake, you that slumber. For your Redeemer is on the move and is about to return. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The earth and all the inhabitants of the earth tremble at your name. They tremble at your return. They tremble that we are awake. And we will declare your name in all the earth realm. In fact, everyone's spirit, their prophet, their teacher, their ruler, their servant, their exhorter, their mercy, their giver. I stir up by calling out your name. Yahuwah Jireh, Yahuwah Shammah. Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh Rafa, Yahweh Tizikanu, Yahweh Makadesh, Yahweh Ra'ah, Yahweh Rohini, Yahweh Shalom, Yahweh Shua, Yahweh Elohim, Yahweh Gabor, Yahweh Saboth, Yahweh Hosinu, Yahweh Isus, Yahweh Ka'ana, Yahweh Milkama, Yahweh Abir, Yah Yahweh, El Shaddai, El Elyon, El Olam, El Roy, El Eloi. And Yeshua Mashiach. May the earth be filled with your name. And we cry out to the heavens and to the earth. Your redemption is near. So mountains get ready to clap. Waters get ready to roar. May the stars of heaven shine their brightness and provide glory to the morning sun. Father, we lift up our heads and ask that the King of glory shall come in and align heaven and earth through us. And maybe more than anything, Father, we want to engage with your heart. We interface with your heart realm. We lift up all those 
that have been under attack. And we apply the shadow of your hand to be over them. Just like you reached out and you touched the blind man's eye and he saw. Just like you reached out and you touched the dead girl and she rose from the dead. Just like you reached out and proclaimed that the lepers be cleansed. We interface with the realm of the stripes on your back. And we apply the healing balm of Gilead for victory and to everyone under physical attack. And everyone here that we would be lights. That there would be a straight path to run to us that we could proclaim Zion's cry. And just like Cornelius, that we and our house would be saved. So for all the spouses, all the lost children amongst us, we ask that they would hear Zion today. that there would be a Selah moment in their hearts, that their spirits would cry out for salvation. And we declare to Zion that your children are not forgotten. And we will fight to the last breath, proclaiming our prayers before the King of Kings, that it would be sweet incense in his nostrils that your kids are saved. And all those that are stirred up by the horror of Babylon, we cry out to them as well. Come out of her, my people. Come out of her. Turn from your wicked ways and come unto the Redeemer of the Holy Israel. Father, we are ready for your justice. We are ready for your judgment, but not before all of Zion is filled. You died so that none would be lost. May the bride tribe be like Joseph's coat, his multicolored coat filled with the nations. Just like 12 wells of water, may we bring in the 70 nations. Father, we thank you for the privilege of being called to this assignment. We thank you that we are bound together by the blood of Yeshua and by the water of your Holy Spirit. We thank you that 
your love flows to and from us and overflows into each other. We thank you that you have bound us together as a body, that all of creation fits in us because we fit in you, that you have made your abode in us. You and the Father, you will never leave us or forsake us, but we are completely and actively interfacing, engaging with you more and more every day. May we be less that you would be more in us. We thank you that you redeemed us, that you ransomed us, that you purchased us and moved us from dark to light and everything under our stewardship. I bless everyone here and honor them and encourage them and speak strength and courage into the days ahead. For we stand with each other And we remember that we are cut from the rock. In Yeshua's name, amen. You've just listened to Todd Talks here at Bride Ministries International. Be sure to visit our website at bridemovement.com. You can support us by leaving a donation. You can also check out our other offerings, such as our church. You can check out our Institute. We offer prayer resources and, of course, so much more.